This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. It's Tuesday night, it's half past six, it can mean only one thing. We're at the top of the tower and we are the Fight Disciples. And let me tell you, what I've I got a show for you tonight. Something a bit special tonight uh, in the aftermath of something I got up to last week. Uh, anyone that follows me on social media will know that I was up at HM Prison Walton for a charity football tournament. Unfortunately, I'm carrying a bit of a knock, so they weren't able to see the skills on Mr. Pete. But the rest of the lads had a jolly old time, let me tell you. It was absolutely brilliant. And here to tell us much more about the whole day was, you know, one of the organisers, I'm sure, uh, Mr. Paul Boom Boom Bentley. Now, let me give you the full introduction. Military man, fighter, coach, gym owner, promoter, organiser, knife crime awareness. Have I missed anything out, Paul? Um, I, I probably can't say on that age, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, that's... Uh, well, yeah, actually, I'm a referee as well. Oh, you're boxing and MMA referee, That's right, yeah. And a father, and I'm a father. Well, that's you know what you put that at the top of the list. Yeah, obviously yeah. put that at the top of the list. So first and foremost, tell me about why we got together. You know, it's easy for me to say, but you're, you, you, the organizer. Why did we get together, HMP Walton, last week? And well, how it started for me, uh, predominantly, I uh, started the hashtag No More Knives campaign. Uh, it came to light when I started noticing smaller things in the city, uh, people talking about knife crime. But then something massive happened. Uh, in young Sam Cook's death, and it, it, it for me, I had my son come in. My son knew who he was, and my son come in and said, "You know, that, that's that's kind of upset me a bit. Not because of how close he was to the lad, mm-hmm. but because of it could have been anybody." Yeah. So I just I didn't think, if I'm honest with you, if the truth is, I did not think there and then. I knew I had a little bit of a standing community behind me, so I thought, you know what, I'll see if I can make something happen here. And I just went into my office, I got my phone. And I made a video, kind of like the ice bucket challenge, you know, where I say something and then I pass it to somebody, they say it, they pass yep, it. And how it worked was I was, um, it was, I, I talked about it, explained about the knife crime in Liverpool, how bad it was. And then I just said, you know, this is my city, no more knives. Put it on a video, passed it to Tony Bellew's brother, who, you know, thankfully gave it to Tony, who replied, which was fantastic. And Tony done the exact same thing. This is my city, no more knives, which went on to more and more sportsmen who and then it went to the kids in the city. Yeah. Which a lot of people on my Instagram there was kids in my city in, in in our city doing videos and and parents and families and this thing went massive. Everyone just started doing all these videos and it came in and thought, right, it just shows how communal we can be. Yeah. When we attack something. See what you notice about our city Nick is if something really bad happens to somebody, we all jump on. Yeah, yeah. The absolutely. problem is Unfortunately, a lot of the time, it's the city causing the problem. Yeah, yeah. Now, somebody will get stabbed by another scouser. Now, that's what hurts the most, isn't it? Of course. Because it, it is the city that... And what we're doing now is we're trying to get the whole city to come together and relate. But the fact remains, it still is the city that's killing the city. So we're trying to get that changed a little bit. Drawing. Obviously, we don't want nobody killing nobody. But the fact remains, if we all stand together as one. So what we thought... Uh, my my approach to this was also, as you know, I've got a bit of a history uh, in in the criminal background, which I'm, I'm highly ashamed of. But at that point, I wouldn't be where I'm now if I wasn't that man then. Journey, yeah, yeah it, so I thought I still have friends in that domain type of thing. So I thought, you know what, I'll see how it goes if I approach them and ask them to help, and they did. And 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 
I can't mention no names, but these people then mm-hmm. helped me get to other places, to help me speak to other families, and they were like, look, do you know what? At the end of the day, we're all in the same fight. They've also got children, they've also got wives, husbands, who, who, who they don't want to get hurt. So they backed me, they supported me, they got me in places to give out uh, campaigns and stuff like that. And then I was approached by Tim Morris in Walton Prison. I'm going to presume that at the time, people were talking about me in Walton Prison. Mm-hmm. What's come of this? And yeah. Obviously, when you're sitting in a cell, Nick, um, what you think about more importantly is your family, your children. And prison is a really tough place if you're a decent person because you love people. Of course. And when you're in prison, Nick, all you can think about is the people you're not with, the people you've hurt, the people who are upset that you're away. And that's what you continuously think about if you're a good person. So prison can be hard or simple depending on you. It's simple if you've got no one to love. Yeah, it's yeah. simple if there's no one to love you. But it's really hard if you've got somebody out there waiting for you and you've got kids. Most people have, and, and, and say what you will about any sort of criminal, the heart is in one place and it's always where the family is. The fact that, you know, and so it seemed that a couple of them come together anyway. Tim Morris has asked, asked me to come in and have an interview in Walton Prison, which went off fantastic. I yeah, told yeah. them about my days of what I was involved in, why I was involved, how it changed, how I rehabilitated, and tried to make my life better for my children. And it it, it just it just really went well. And just they responded with them all. Yeah, basically, they responded yeah. to it. Nick. They responded to it in a way where they haven't got some fellow with seven degrees in a university coming up to them and telling them. Yeah, yeah. They had one of their own, of asking them, "Can you help?" That's what I'm after. I want you to help me and my children. In return, I'll help you and your children by protecting them more, by creating a stigma in the city that says this is not what we need. Yeah, There's other ways. Now, I'll never condone any sort of violence by all means, but you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and one step forward, Nick, is 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 massive in in something like this. After the interview, it went so well and, and Tim told me he's trying to organise a football match. Some high-profile people in the city who can come in and have a type of mean machines type of football yeah, match yeah, with, of course. with the, Some the, of the inmates, the inmates mm-hmm. in the prison. And when we got there, we ended up sharing teams with the inmates, which was better for me. because we was. Got to, just mix and match the teams. Got to remember, don't Nick, when we go in there, these lads are already stamped. Yeah, the criminals. Of course, they're in prison. It is what it is, you know. But you you see a different version of the man, you know. In sport, it's like when you see two lads fighting. When they're having their interviews, they hate each other, hate each other, hate each other. As soon as they share the ring, they yeah. love each other because you've gained something together. You've earned something together. Of course. And this is what's happened. We've gone in. We've got to know the people. We've got to know the man behind the problem. Well, that was the best thing about it. I thought because we were all kind of standing waiting around for a while, and then when the inmates started coming in. They kind of came in in ones and twos and yeah. immediately mixed. It wasn't like they came and stood over the other side of the gym or anything like that. They just came straight through and mixed. Don't get me wrong. It helped that you knew one or two. It helped that some of the other lads knew yeah. one or two of them and things like that. But straight away, like because I'd been in and spoke on, on the prison radio as well. And the lad who interviewed me made the beelines come straight over, said hello, lovely to Brownie, see you. Brownie, was it? Brownie, yeah, yeah. Oh, see what I mean? He's such a nice lad. He and is. he's such an intelligent young fella that you think to yourself... How wide Good little interviewing as well. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Drag me over the coals, he did. Oh, shame me. I got it. I got it. I got ribboned, honestly. Mate. They sucked the life out of me in there. <laughs> but that was brilliant because it just kind of straight away just brought everybody together. And then when they said, right, we'll just pick teams. We'll pick four captains 
and we'll pick teams. It just made made the day even better. See, this is what I'm saying, Nick. So uh, trying to put down the, the stamp, trying to put away the tag for a minute and sharing that room with just men. Yeah. And Natasha. Natasha, yeah. <laughs> Who, by the way, was the best player. Sorry, Sasha. He was man of the match, to be fair. Um, but it's just sharing that room with people. And that's all there was to me in that room, was just people who yeah. wanted to help. Now, I'm going to presume in their way, they're the people that they've upset. But what I'd like to think is if the, the crime wasn't too bad, that the people that they may have upset would like to have seen the fact that these men were trying to rehabilitate in some way, some shape or form. Yeah. As if to say, OK, look, you can see that they've created some sort of malice within the city. But look at them now, look what they're trying to do now, because... They are actually trying to help us with a war against crime now by just involving themselves in that game of football, which to me was step one. Yeah, absolutely. Which matters a lot. Uh, step one is realising there's a problem. Step two, helping the problem. You know, and, and, and that's just what I saw in that football match. It was great because they're all from all war. Look, it takes plenty of people to make a world, Nick. Of course it does, and yeah, absolutely. They all come from all parts of life. And I was asking them their question. I was asking them why. I was asking, I was digging, Nick, and I was trying to understand the man as well. And a lot of them had reasons for what they did, which no reason's ever good enough to commit crime, you know. But you are sometimes a product of your environment, Absolutely. which can create. And circumstance. Which can create a circumstance, yeah. which unfortunately may lead to something you should or should not have done. And we put all that aside that day. We all got to speak about the night crime and every single one of them men in there said to me, I like to know my children are safe while I'm in here. Now, despite what I've done, let's put aside who I am and what I've done. Let me try and help. Yeah. That that just it just made it great for me. You know, I was I was so happy with that. No, it was it was a brilliant day, and as you say, for me, looking around, I remember at one point speaking to Rocky Fielding. In fact, let's list off some of the names that were there. Obviously, Jazza Dickens, Rocky Fielding, Tasha Jonas, Tom Farrell, Peter McGrail. Uh, Brian Phillips, Scotty Hamilton, Danny Widow from No Limits, and and Paul Reed from Cage Warriors. I think that's pretty much. Uh, he was. He was. It was the old guy, by the way. He was on our team. That was Nick Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do you know what? Do you know what, Nick? Um, I don't know who he was. That was I thought brilliant. he just turned up. Yeah. Because what's happened, right? And no one still knows who this guy was. You that know, was mental. And if security was perfect in Walton, I don't know how he's managed it. He's what's happened in. is he's come in off the street. No one knew him from Adam. We all knew who he was yeah. because we all had some sort of profile in the city, which is why we were invited. So I was like, "All oh, right, that's blah blah." But this fella, and I was like, "Who are you, mate?" <laughs> It's weird that nobody asked him. But he stayed was. on the pitch and started having a warm up kick yeah. around with us. Then he played the match. He brought his gear with him. Yeah. He brought his boots in a bag. Because me and Tasha were standing in the foyer at the prison, checking our checking our like uh, car keys and, and phones in and that. And he just kind of stood next to us. And he and he just put his car keys with our car keys. And, and you, know, you just don't think nothing. And next thing you know, we're going through security and me and Tasha ch- chatting. And then all the lads were already in there. And then and he was just part of it. It was great. It was great that you know he, he played played the games. He, he took. I'd well, love to know who he is. It is, but I mean, what if, the, what if there was a security problem here? I mean, what if this fella who's just who a big man has sneaked in, had the game of footy with with Liverpool's worst, and then oh, then come out and told? He said, I don't know what happened. It was, so you don't know who he was. I've got no idea. 
I've got no idea. Well, he's yeah. famous now. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you interview him? I should have done. I should have. That was what I should have done. I should have interviewed him and said, sorry, mate, but can you, who are you? Just introduce yourself. I'm asking everyone to introduce themselves before he interviewed I am eight. I'm Dave. I you do the rubbish. Know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. But it was a great day. And I said, at one point I was chatting to Rocky between, between the games and I said, look at that. This could be any gym in any sports centre in any part of this city. Just a group of lads come together. They all go for a bevy after this now and chatting about the families because that's what everyone was doing. Stand, how's your fight going? How's this going? Yeah. How's your kid? Oh yeah, great! And it, it was it that's was unreal. It, this is what I mean, Nick. It's it's at the end of the day, I agree with the rehabilitation process of man. I agree with it, and I agree that you should be incarcerated for your wrongdoings. And I agree that if you commit a crime, there's a place for you to be. I agree with all that. I do. But when you're in a room with somebody, what the public may think about the perception one, of it, yeah, yeah, the perception of one man in a newspaper or in a column is only the perception of the crime that he's committed, isn't it? It's not what is he capable of. Of course. Is he capable of better? Because we had this conversation, I don't know whether you remember, Nick, about the criminal mind. Mm-hmm. And for me, the criminal mind is the most intelligent mind on the planet. As harsh as that may seem, that's fact. You build a safe, they break that safe. You build a code, they crack that code. And that's just how it's always been, hasn't it, since the dawn of man? Yeah, yeah. Criminality. Now, I always say, imagine you applied it, which is what I'm doing myself with my life. I'm applying my education to help in the city now. I'm applying my capabilities and, and, and helping rather than taking, you know. And these men, them 10 men in that room, if they applied themselves, Nick. Yeah, of course. It's it off the world. Of course. And I mean, if they applied themselves in a manner that suits them and fits them as man, they're just capable of so much. And it's well, at one point it's upsetting, at the second point it's upsetting for the victims. Yeah. And on the third point you're like, okay, let's rehabilitate and let's fix and let's use that mind for good. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously coming away from it, I took a lot from it. I thought it was a great day. It was great to raise awareness for the campaign. Uh, and let's let's mention it as well. Obviously, the hashtag No More Knives. There's a couple of campaigns going on around the city, isn't there? That, I think it's Anfield, ABC have got the Real Men Don't Carry Knives campaign. Well, and- actually, yeah, that's Alan Walsh. They're all an umbrella under my hashtag No More Knives campaign. I, I'm also partners with John Hughes now, who's the chairman of the Pub Watch, runs a few clubs in town. Um, but Alan Walsh is also he's, he's massively involved in what we do. All these small companies are, um, on, you know, we're the umbrella. Yeah, of course. Hashtag no more knives. Then you've got your, re- as far as I'm aware, you've got real men don't carry knives, which for me is the only most formidable part that's doing something about it. I've also heard, Nick, that Liverpool, found, well, Liverpool Foundation is supposed to have been getting involved. The problem is with that, Nick, is nobody's approached me for that. Right. Nobody's mentioned that. Apparently they're having a meeting on Wednesday, but we're not meant to be there. And I'm thinking, now, hang on, let's just take a big step back here. I'm doing something for the city that costs me money. Yeah. I don't apply for any sort of grant. I don't take no money. I pay to make sure that I can protect our kids. Yeah. Now, I pay that myself and John Hughes and Alan Walsh all do it themselves. Now, here's the thing. You've got, now that it's got legs, Nick, it's gone massive. The whole city's the city fully aware. Yeah, and they're yeah. talking about it and they're happy about it. And, and it's, it's made an impact. It certainly has, yeah. it certainly has, and you know what, it's making people think, so No More Nice campaign now is up and running, Radio City are backing us, as, as you full well know, they're 100% behind us, they've supported us, and it's gone big, now the problem we've got now is all these big cats want a little taste, Yeah. we'll never ever ask nobody for money, we're not interested in making money, we are interested in raising awareness and saving our city, mm-hmm. now 
apparently these foundations are all starting to get involved. I mean, what are they going to do? Just ask Sadio Mane to throw an autograph in? That's not going to save a life, mate. No. That's not what we're after here. So we're after one movement, Nick. If somebody wants to get involved, give me a shout. Yeah, come and sit at the table. Yeah, the door's come, not come closed. Talk, oh, come and talk to me. I'd love that. Yeah. But you want to start going off in your own direction. What happens then, Nick, is that the, the public and the city start thinking then, well, he's probably after money. He's probably after yeah. money. You've got to get together. Once people start breaking off, which I'm going to presume Liverpool Foundation are trying to at the minute, mm-hmm. once they do that, there'll be criticism from the city because this was started from a city boy yeah. who just wants the best for the city, never asked for no money, yeah. not interested in asking was, for It wasn't money. a PR campaign. Certainly wasn't. I mean, no. I've got nothing to gain from it other than to save a life, which is actually quite good, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that we are involved. I, I, I speak to certain parents who are involved in knife crime. I always get messages off victims of knife crime and I'm always trying to help but I'm trying to help them in a manner where I'm speaking to them correctly I'm not interested in saying to them I'll oh, get in touch with my secretary for this that's not how it's going to work which is why I've got a problem with these big companies getting involved and using the hashtag no more knives because that's just not how it is Yeah, we want the city to move forward and if we're all rowing in the right direction we'll get there of course but a few people want to start plodding off it's not going to work no. and the city has to see us as one it's really important and as it stands, we are one. And that's all anybody sees is Alan Walsh doing his thing, John Hughes doing his thing, me doing my thing, but we are one, us three. Yeah. When all these big companies start getting involved, they're going to be in for a massive fight from me, mate. And I will win yeah. because I've got the city behind me. And that's all that matters here is the people in the city. Nobody cares about autographs. Nobody cares about putting your Liverpool or Everton name on it. All they care about is the safety of our children in this city. And I'm the one who's going to push for that. I'm not going to ask for no money. I don't know what these are going to do, but if you want to get involved, Nick, they need to see me. Yeah, I'm into that. That's how it is. Absolutely. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Stick with us. In part two, I'm going to ask Paul about his journey into mixed martial arts. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. A little bit of boxing news coming for you up in part three, but now in part two, I'm still joined in the studio by Paul Bentley. And I want to ask about this journey, Paul, where you went from Paul Bentley... Scally on the street to Kensington, armed forces, prison in Scotland, and then you reinvent yourself as, as Boom Boom Bentley. Well, Just, how did that journey happen? You've done your own work there, haven't you, mate? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the first time this story has ever been said on, on air, OK? So, um, yeah, you know, bear with me. As I say, this story has never, ever been mentioned on the radio. He was part in, in, in the Echo, so I'll, I'll give you everything you need to know here, all right? Good lad. It's the first time, so save it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so um, I was a young lad. I joined the forces. And, uh, you know, things weren't great Just at because all. you left school... You know, I many sc- qualifications. Um, I you didn't really know which way to go. No, or... believe it or not, Nick, I was an educated man. I was, I was, I was quite an intelligent young lad. It wasn't that. Things were tough at home. You know, things were tough. I had a lovely mum and dad. They were struggling, getting work, and 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 you know, making ends meet. And I watched it every day, Nick, since I was a kid. And watching my parents putting food on my table and struggling to do it and, and stuff like that, I kind of felt like I had to do my own thing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But you felt like a bit of a burden on them all? It wasn't that I felt a burden. It's just, you know, to my parents, and they'd never have that. They'd yeah, never accept that. But I did feel like one more kid out the way is less pressure on them. Maybe they can start doing what they want to do then. Do you know what I mean? Nick? And um, I got a little job in the Royal Mail. And, you know, I enjoyed that job. It was sound. I was a young lad. I shouldn't have been there. I was only, like, 16. I think I was supposed to be 18, but I blacked it. <laughs> anyway, so I got that job in the Royal Mail. Then I got my mama a job in there, which was quite good for it. Do you know what I mean? She's still there now. 
really so brilliant I, over 20 years ago she's still brilliant. there now waiting for a pension <laughs> um, so so I got that job but then somebody was talking about the forces and then I, I sort of kind of seen at home and in the city that things were it was starting to spiral out of control with myself and getting dragged into things violence and stuff like that so I thought right I'm off so I joined the forces in which I had a really good boxing career and, and, and done great in there and I, and I loved it, but then... Did you box before you went into the army or was, did you just pick it up when you went in? My brother um, was a boxer. He was a boxer in the, the Davy Burke and Colin, um, Colin Dundays. Yeah, yeah. He used to spar with them and Tony Moran, all the old great. school lads. Yeah, um, yeah. So I kind of took an interest in up there. Got my head punched everywhere by my brother. Didn't think much of it, but it must have knocked a bit of sense into me because as soon as you're in the forces, that's the first thing I've done. Got to the finals of the inter-service mm. um, and fractured my arm. So I would have won that. <laughs> I should say I won that. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, um, my son was born. I had a son and he was born. And I thought... I've got to get out. I've got. I had to get out. I had to leave the forces. I had to be a dad. Yeah. And um, there's something that's always been distilled in me, which I'm quite fortunate to have had, is to be a father to my daughter now, to my son. And these two children changed my life. The first one was my son. He got me out the forces. At that point, I was still a young insubordinate young man running around thinking, I'll get money, whatever means necessary. Now we have this thing as fathers, Nick, where we go. I don't care what happens. I'll earn money. Yeah. If I have to beg, steal, and borrow. I will earn money. There will be bread on the table. Of course. Now, as as proud as that may seem as a father, what I did to earn money is not the right way. Now, I shouldn't beg, steal and borrow. I should just do the productive way. I was an intelligent lad. Go and get a job. Yeah. But I didn't, and I took that into full fledge. I started getting involved in drugs, mate. I started getting involved in uh, selling drugs for some of the older lads on the streets. and um, You know, starting to find my way a little bit within that community mm-hmm. with that I made bigger friends gone on to bigger things um, and it got to a point where you know one minute I'm running around the streets uh, selling drugs next minute you've got people running around the streets for you selling drugs and it's all about levels and Absolutely, without yeah. sound I, I don't I, the reason why I don't want to go too much into it Nick is because I don't want to act as though I'm proud of it of course because I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm so ashamed of that time yeah. but if I don't explain to you what I did you'll never know how I am who I am so, from that point, um, I started thinking bigger again. Um, I had some family out the way, and they they were telling me about getting this working from other countries, this, that, the other, and ended up sending up to Scotland. And then I went up to live in Scotland and got involved again in violence and drugs. And, and it just comes within the gang territory, getting involved in violence as soon as you're involved in drugs. That's just how it was. Absolutely, of course. Felt like I was making some sort of name for myself within a small community, which was probably 1% of the city, where I thought I was a bit of a hard case. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you're having, again, you have an ego. You're a man, you're an ego, a very young man. Yeah. I have an ego. I was stupid, you know? Um, when I got involved in Scotland, things started getting a bit heavy. I didn't know what to do with the money, didn't know where to put it. You know, the biggest problem in your life, hiding money, <laughs> is an issue, believe it or not. But in that life, you can't just get Go involved. Yeah, you can't walk into a place and go, oh, I'll have that car. It's not, of course. not the way it works. So, you know, and then my comeuppance came then, Nick. I got, I got Nick, I got arrested, I got caught with swag, I got caught. I was in an operation. Um, a few of my mates went away, I went away. I ended up getting uh, five years, um, which was extended because when I come out on leave, uh, on me, when I come out on me parole type of thing, I, I got in trouble on because I went on the doors and then 
got involved in violence, so everything just got extended for me. But my whole life at the time was ridiculous, you know, it was embarrassing. I had no problem hitting somebody. Just out uh, of control, basically. Yeah, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, self control. And not once, Nick, was it considering that there's a young lad looking up to me here. Bear yeah. in mind, my son was, was born then, mm-hmm. and what he had to look up to was this absolute idiot running around with this big steel or bottle to feed me child mentality. Which yeah. is pathetic, isn't it? You know, and I'm coming home and I'm arguing with me missus and I'm arguing with me friends because this is what I've got to do. My family, my mum, my dad. And it was, it, when I think back now to how my life is, to how it was then, I think back, wow, how stressful was that? You couldn't yeah. sleep at night, couldn't stay in the same house. Your friends don't, aren't really your friends. Your money, it's not really your money. You're driving round and you think people are looking at you because you're cool, but they're actually looking at you and thinking, oh, behave yourself, lad. You're 21 years of age, you've got to be in. Yeah, exactly. You look yeah. stupid, but you don't realise that until you, you come to the light. Mm. So I got arrested and I got put in Walton Prison. My God. <laughs> I'd been in a couple of times before that, just silly things, driving while banned. Then days you could get away with the producer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then when it comes to that, I, I got five years in Walton Prison and I was like, oh. God, this is just absolutely awful. But because you'd have to keep up this sh- charade. Yeah, yeah. You, you got. I had a few friends in there. I had a few people who thought do me friends in there. I had divvies who wanted to have a fight with you. Yeah, they haven't fight. And then you look at these people when you get out and you're like, I remember you, eh? Yeah, yeah. I remember how much of a plant pot you was. And now you look like a bigger crank. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So you've got all these different people, but then on the other hand... <sighs> I met some of the most amazing people away as well, who was there for their own reasons, but you can relate to them and go, I kind of know how you feel, because yeah. I made that same mistake, and they've come out and they did the perfect. From that, I got involved. What's what happened is I got told that I wasn't getting me parole by an officer, and he thought it was funny to joke with me. I've been sitting there waiting for me parole for yeah. all these months. And you get close to certain people on the wing, and you know, one of the officers, he just had a laugh with some of the inmates, do you know what I mean? And he shouted up, Bentley, you didn't uh, get your parole. So I was having a little bit of trouble with some lads at the time. Who On my parole, I had to keep away from because I thought if I fight with them, I'd get taken off me. So mm-hmm. we were always backing off and my mates were always saying, just just leave it, leave it, leave it. As soon as he said my parole went, I ran upstairs and got him, didn't I? Turned out that they get me parole. Oh. oh, God. Anyway, I'm in front of the governor. I explained to him, but I didn't want to throw this... this Officer in a brutal look, it's fight or flight, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's your fault. Yeah, <laughs> he course. told me he didn't get it. So, so the governor overruled it and said, Go on, you can get out. Anyway, I got out. I needed money, Nick. Yeah. I didn't want to go back to selling drugs. I didn't want to go back to getting involved in that sort of world. So I got offered uh, some door work without a badge. Anyway, two nights I'm on the door, Nick, and some lad comes in covered in blood. And I said, You can't come in like that. He said, Behave, you can't come in like that. And it, and it, at that same story that you hear on the doors all the time. Listen, lad, do you know why I'm? That's yeah. what I got. And I went, I don't, if I'm honest with you, mate. I really didn't. And I just said, no, I don't. But what I do know is, if you go in dressed like that, one, I'll get sacked. Two, you're going to scare everyone in there. So we tried to throw a dig at me and I've moved and I've cracked him, haven't I? And as a victim, he's fell wrong. Police came, arrested, straight back in jail. Then, when I got there, they just shanghaied me straight to Barlini in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. Now, I ended up in Glasgow, which for me was probably the best move ever. It was away from everything, it was away from everyone. But when I got there, what happens? I walk into two of my mates yeah, <laughs> in Barlini, two of the lads. And as I've landed there, all I heard was, Benno! <laughs> so I thought, oh, there's no getting away in yeah, it. Exactly, there's yeah. absolutely no getting away. But it turned out good. It turned out good. I got a job in the gym there. 
I got a job um, doing me PT and, and, and I end up playing in a testimonial match from Glasgow and Celtic. They actually come in the prison like what we did. Oh, wow. And we had a game of football with them, which was good. Got released, came out. Um, and, and was and it there where it twigged? At, while you were up there, or are you still a little bit of a live wire here when you got released? No, mate, listen, the second I got released, I I, I was the man I am today. Yeah. The second I got released... So it was, it was Scotland that did that, the time in Scotland? I think it was the the whole experience, the whole process, having time to think in Scotland yeah. and being so far away from my family and my wife at the time and my, my child, and, and it was just... It was it was it was a nightmare, mate. I could never spend another day behind them closed doors. It was an absolute nightmare. But on the time, being a man, Nick, I was just going with the flow. But I come out and I, I remember. I honestly remember the night before I got released, Nick. And I've never told no one this, Nick. But I burst out crying. I was a mess. I burst out crying because I was so ashamed and so afraid of what I did all them years with the violence and the drugs. And I thought. What's going to happen when I get home? What's waiting for me? Mm. Is there going to be somebody waiting for me where I have no choice, I have to get involved, and I've got to do what I've got to do to survive? Because I wasn't one of them who owed bills or nothing, Nick. Yeah. But sometimes people just want you to work with them. Of course. Because you're a loyal lad. Yeah. So I didn't want to be that... Pay- I, I don't know whether I had, at that time, we had the bottles to say, I don't want to do it no more. Mm. But I had no choice. So I did. And when I came out, it was lucky. You know, my friends turned out they were friends. They were happy I turned me back yeah. to crime. And um, it all worked out quite good. So I've gone home. Whatever money I had, Nick, um, I was supposed to get money taken away from me from proceeds of crime, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it to have me. So the first thing I done was I gave it to Marie Curie, which opened up a door for me. That year, when I got took on by Lee Chadwick mm-hmm. as a personal trainer, they asked us to do a um, a walk for Marie Curie. So. I'd only been out of prison a few months and I'm on a stage in front of thousands of people doing this fitness regime for the Marie Curie walk. And do you know what, Nick? There was, there was just this feeling of loving people, loving what I was doing, you know, and, and, and seeing people for what they were, not just for meat, not just for money, not just for bread. Yeah, seeing yeah, people for people. And, I thought, wow. I, and each and every one of them, I, was, I wanted to embrace and just think, you know what, you're a person, you deserve the best of me. Yeah. And that's what happened, Nick. And it was like... It's like you had a second shot at life. I think you're right. Because it was so emotional. It was so tough, me being the man I am. And and it, and, and it was so tough and hard. And I thought, I've got to leave some sort of legacy here. But then in the back of my head, Nick, there was a problem. There was a, there was a problem with me. And the problem was my violence. My problem was my anger. How am I going to deal with this anger? I am a nice kid. Mm-hmm. But when you push somebody too far, I didn't have a way out to control it. So, again... Nobody ever knows this, and, and this is going to go out in public now, mm-hmm. so uh, do you know what, let's just do it. I suffered from, and still do, suffer from depression and anxiety. I've been getting counselling now over 10 years, and I see somebody every week, have a chat, have a talk. You won't see that affect my lifestyle, you won't see that affect my children, you don't see that affect anything. Um, it's not something you ever speak about because it's not a weakness, it's not. A, it does. It doesn't make you see me on Facebook every day. Mm-hmm. I'm the first person up every morning. Yeah. I'm the first person asking everybody for a bit of positivity. That's me trying to squeeze that out of everybody else. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. it's not an issue, but it's there. Of course. Okay. So I had to deal with this. Uh, I spoke to Lee. Lee is my backbone. He's, he's my brother. He's my family, and he, he, he dragged me out of a rut. You know. Um, but what's happened is I've gone to see this counselor, and he said find something, which is how I found MMA. Mm-hmm. So. 
Lee started training me, uh, brought me up to SW, had my first fight against somebody in Hammer. I won my first fight, got a taste for it, then started to con control my anger. And the anger was going in the right way. So it was like people were teaching me how to live. All these people around me were teaching me how to live correctly, how to manage my life correctly, which should have been done when I was a young lad. Yeah. But we didn't have the resources at that age. Yeah. We had a, I had a mum and dad who were struggling to put food on my table, never mind anything else. And as great as parents as they was, they had their hard. And the, and the, and the, for me, they, they, they made me and they done it well. And, I, and I'm proud of them, the way they did that. Because they did what they had to do. They did only what they could do. And if they could have done more, they would have. Yeah. So I was learning life when I come out of prison. I was learning how to control my anxiety from my counsellor, uh, which was leading to my depression getting better. And my depression was leading to anger, which the MMA came in. I had a really nice amateur career. I was really happy. Then obviously I've turned pro. And, and the MMA um, opened the door for me with the coaching, teaching and, and learning. And to this day, I go to loads of different coaches and I always absorb and I always learn. And that's what I want to do. That's that's what I do. I like to teach. I like to embrace people and learn them and show them what I've learned in all these years. Now, they always say, don't they? A coach is the person who gets educated before he educates. Yep. So I just absorb as much as I possibly can so I can give it and show it to other people. The underlying problem with me, Nick, was this and still is this. It's the anxiety. Yeah. The depression. The me being the first person who you will phone. And then the second I get off that phone, who am I? Yeah, yeah. Then I'm like, I've got this thing that I have to wear. A lot of people, you, you'll find on my face, but I work 15, 16 hours a day. Now, this is a kind of a medication for me. Mm -hmm. I have to work them hours. I have to work that time because I don't know how to deal with any other world. I don't know how to deal with life if I'm not working. I don't know how to sit still and stand still because I'm not really the type of person who wants to be left alone with me thoughts. Yeah. So I work a lot. And I spend a lot of time around people. I've also got this nickname which Tia will agree to. It's Cinderella. Now, this is another thing nobody knows, so I'm about to tell the truth here. I don't stay out till after midnight. This is why they call me Cinderella. <laughs> You're in bed by midnight. Yeah. <laughs> this is this has absolutely nothing to do with um Anything other than the fact that nothing good happens after midnight. I just, I just, I just. Once I'm done, I'm done. Yeah, I have yeah. to be home. Of course. I don't want to be sitting there. When I listen to something, I listen to it. I'll think about it. I'll absorb it. And when people have drunk or they do what they do, they come in a bunch. I like to go home alone and do my thing. Yeah, yeah. That's me. Once I've gone home, I'm comfortable then. I'm, I, I can breathe again. I can just go. Right, yeah. I've took as many issues and as problems as I can for today. Yeah. I'm done now. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna filter them all. I'm gonna try and fix them and then I'll come back at you tomorrow. And that's what happens. Wow. Now, this, as I say, is not a problem for me, and there's no re I didn't commit crime because of it. I didn't... I've, there's no excuse for my past other than insubordination and stupidity, which I've dealt with, which I've lived, and which I will deal with for the rest of my life. But the depression, anxiety side of things is something I must have just been born with because I remember talking to my mum when we had a few problems when I was younger, and she took me to see someone for help. But I know how to deal with it now. And the good thing is, I know how to deal with it. And it's by working, and it's by helping, mm -hmm. and it's by absorbing everybody else's problems and filtering them and coming back at them the next day and fixing it because that makes me feel like I'm, one, rehabilitating them, two, putting something back in the community, and three, yep. it keeps me thinking. Of course. So it's, 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 um, 
It's a, it's it's a, a journey. Oh, mate. It's a hell of a honestly, journey, mate. Hell of a journey. Uh, I'm Nick Pete. This is Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm joined in the studio by Paul Boom Boom Bentley coming up in part three after the break. We'll talk about this MMA career and also the role he's got in the career of Cage Warriors middleweight champion, Lee Chadwick. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. You only just joined us. I'm in the studio by Paul Boom Boom Bentley. We've been discussing his incredible journey into mixed martial arts. If uh, if you missed any part of the show, you can catch it on Wednesday morning at Fight Disciples. We're going to be putting that out as a podcast, as we do every week. There's also a boxing show and a UFC show there, which went up on Monday. You can also stick with us across social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the usual destinations, at Fight Disciples for much more. I just In this part then, Paul, I just want to talk to you about this move into MMA, obviously, the, the relationship with Lee Chadwick, um, Lee taking you on pretty much as part of his team after your release from prison and everything else. Did that immediately then give you direction, did it? You were like, you know what, this is a bit of me, this. I, I'm comfortable in this world. I trust Lee, Lee's my mate. And you, was it because of Lee's journey that you wanted to be a part of it? Or was it just a route into like this... Kind of like getting your anger out in, in yeah. mixed martial arts. Well, you know what? Or a bit I, of both. I, I'm kind of glad we've got to this because because the rest of it's a little bit dark, isn't it? But this is that's the this journey. Is, this is quite a it. funny story, to be fair, Nick. So no, that, that that's not how it happened whatsoever. So let's just get it out there. Right? Okay. Before I went to prison, obviously having an ego, Lee was Lee Chadwick. He was one of the biggest, well-known cage fighters in Liverpool. Yeah. Um. So I paid him <laughs> to take to spar me. <laughs> me thinking I was a bit of a boxer, <laughs> wanting to move into MMA. Yeah. The first time I ever met him, Nick, on my daughter's life, he put me a kip. <laughs> he knocked me out. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah. well, you paid him to do oh, it. Oh yeah. So I've paid him. Yeah. Come on then. Let's just, 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 just see what I've got. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> he knocked me out. Love it. Nick, that's nothing. I love so, that confidence. So, so the following day, the following day, I text him again. Right. Let's do it again. Nick, I promise you, mate, he knocked me out twice. Two days, and he'll, he'll tell you himself. So two days, he knocked me out twice to a point in the second time he put me a kip. I was completely unaware and tried to come back at him where he just sat me down and went, Paul, yeah. you're not with us at the minute. Just give yourself a second. Your name's Paul. It's yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. So it was weird. We built a relationship on, um, on fighting, uh, you know, and then I got locked up. Yeah. And he was the man who was there for me. Really? Mate, really. Unbelievable. So it wasn't like he grew up to, grew up as a schoolmate and anything like that. It was literally knew of each other enough wow. to, to respect each other. That's Unreal. what that's what it was, Nick. Okay. We knew of each other enough to respect each other. We bumped into each other. He knocked me out twice. I went back to prison. Then while I was away, this was when I was getting the letters. You're better than this. I know you are. I know what you're capable of. This is this is this is who you are. You can be this, you can be that. You come out and what he did was he said, You come out and I will pay for you. Now he knew I was always interested in me personally. Say, he knew I was always interested in coaching. Knew yeah. I was always interested in sport. I'd done it in the forces. I'd done it all my life. So he said, "I will pay for you to be a qualified personal trainer." And he did. True to his word, mate. I came out, and he um, he put me on a course. Let me work in his gym while I was on my course, teaching me, helping, letting me take clients, take classes, and and took me to SW training every day. And it just became quite formidable, you know. I came quite strong. I was capable. I was comfortable. I was happy within this environment. I met Darren Morris, who's one of the best coaches that you will ever meet in your life. He's unbelievable. And I've met some great coaches. Darren Morris is, is unbelievable. He's just as a friend and a father figure and a good man. But Lee was my brother. 
and Lee is the one that is responsible for 50% of who I am today by telling me when I'm right, telling me when I'm wrong. And you kind of need that guidance when you're somebody like who I was. Yeah. That, yeah, and, and I had to be humble enough to listen. Of I had to be humble enough to go, oh, yourself, this is my world, I'll do it. But I didn't. I just thought, he is where he is today because he took the right steps. Yeah. I kind of need a piece of that. So even if I disagree with it, what he's telling me must be right. To take it on board, of and course. And it was. Yeah. So with that, you know, we started getting qualified. I started getting really busy in, in personal training. Um, I think my humour got me through quite a lot of it, you know. Um, silly videos, getting to know people, getting to know social media, getting to understand Facebook. And, and it became quite good and quite big. So in, in the end, it was a case of let's let's do our own thing, you know. Let's get a gym. Do the gym. So he got me involved in his gym. And then... The fighting started and I was winning, I was doing well, I was doing great, won a title, perfect, it was all, all fantastic. So I had nothing other than to just support him then. Mm-hmm. So at this point in our life now, I've got everything I ever wanted. Yeah, I own a gym, I do easy 70 sessions a week with clientele. Yeah, I've got Tia, who's my shadow, she's my personal assistant. She Tia's based, the boss, by the Tia's way. Tia's the boss, yeah. Tia, Tia has joined us in studio. And Tia, is it, you, is it up to you now to make sure that he doesn't pay anyone to knock him out anymore? Is that your job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what you'll find is um, if I'm doing something, Tia will just come over, whisper something in my ear, yeah. and then she'll walk away. That's yeah. probably <laughs> Tia saying... You the should, voice of reason. <laughs> you, you probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and obviously there's me Mrs. Ellie, you know, and, and she, I met Ellie, and, and since I've met Ellie... She's also been... Now, Nick, you haven't met Ellie, mm-hmm. and not many people have. She's such a quiet and a humble person. She's the complete opposite to me. Right. Which is probably why it works. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a strange one, you know. Um, there's me, I'm, I'm loud, I'm, I'm robust, I'm, I'm, I'm angry, I'm fighting. And, and, that's, and then I'll come home, and it's like a Beauty and the Beast type of thing. I'll come in after a hard day's work, covered in blood, sweat, come back, you're all right. <laughs> and then she'll just go, there you see, babe. Yeah, yeah. And she's a pacifist. Yeah, she's just a pacifist, Nick. Yeah. So she'll she'll listen and she'll sit there. She obviously knows what I go through with 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 everything. So so she'll sit and listen. She doesn't contest it. But the same with Lee. I've got these people around me, Nick, mm-hmm. to help build who I am. I've got Nick. I've got Lee, who who on one hand is my business partner. We own BDC together, the boxing and cage company. Yeah. Um, we own another business together, the gym, and we do so much together. That I kind of live in his pocket and he lives in my pocket. We create money for each other. So I've got that financial stability. I've got Lee. If I'm ever skint, I've got him. If he's ever skint, he's got me. And it's a really good partnership. Obviously, he's the cage warriors middleweight champion. He's going to win his next fight. He's going to be in the UFC. Mm-hmm. I'll just sell T-shirts and earn money off him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just carry the spit bucket. Yeah, you know. So, you know, he's carrying with his travel. So he's, he's got a big place that he's about to go to, which I can't wait for him embracing it. And yeah. it'll be one of them things where hopefully we both get together and go, look where you are, look where I am, look what we did. Look who we was, look what we did. And we did it together, Nick, despite people who've come and gone in our lives, people who were involved, and, and, and you know, predominantly me and him have, have, have created a life for ourselves by just standing next to each other. And it's been it's been such an amazing ride that I can't wait for the next 10 to years to see next. where we're going. You know, when, when we're sitting in our wheelchairs and talking. And then, obviously, I was quite The way you're saying that... <laughs> ASW, that's probably about right as Probably, well. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, not me. It's funny, actually. I was speaking to Darren Morris only yesterday, and he knows that I've been just doing bits and bobs while I wait to get... I'm about to wait till next year to announce having a fight myself, and 
Um, I was speaking to Darren Morris last night, and I was like, "So how's how's things?" You know, I've I've took a step back out of SWRE. He's doing his fight camp. We're trying to surround everybody around Lee. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? He's got like twelve seven foot fellas there, twenty stone. I said, "Do you know what I'll do, mate? I'll go and have a little train from him <laughs> while he's on that play out." <laughs> so uh, you know, as I say, an SW, and and you know what? I've got to give a little mention to uh, Paul Rimmer and Next Generation as well, Paul. Played a small part in me training career. Taught me a lot. He's a nice guy. He's a gentleman. Um, obviously, yes. um, things didn't work out in nothing to do with him. It was just me and my business and my work. I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. I kind of need the flexibility. Do you know what I mean? To be able to kind of do what I want. Yeah. Whereas I can get that ASW unless I commit to a fight. Then I've got times and that. But Paul runs a very steady ship. And he's got some really big fighters there. So I don't want to be popping in and out. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Especially because it's, it's, it's not where Darren is like a fatherly figure. Paul's a coach. He's my yeah. coach, do you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, next gen have been great. Paul Lim has been great. And, and uh, people I've met in MMA, uh, unbelievable. I, I can't really say I've met anybody who's a bad person. I mean, I've watched Paddy Pimler grow up into what he is now. I've watched Chris Fish go before he was in the UFC. I'm quite close to Molly McCann, mm. who's, who's Liverpool's little daughter, isn't she? We all so, love her. You know, um, I, I worked with Marty Casey before he was in the UFC and, and, and Scott Askham. You know, I could I could reel off some names who have had a, pl- a small part in my career and my life. You know, because you meet somebody and you say it's your career, but you got to remember, because you take a tiny piece of everybody when you meet them, don't you? Of course you do. And they all Absolutely. they all add to your life. Yeah. These, if I see somebody and like 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 yourself, Nick, you're a charismatic fella. So when you walk away, you, you remember that, don't you? You remember, do you know what? I, I want to be like that. I yeah. want a bit of that in me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you live and learn, don't you, the, with the people you meet. Then, obviously, with what's going on with the radio, uh, I got the job working um, with Sean Mash and Steve Others all on the radio, which is probably one of the funniest shows you'll ever hear on the radio. It is mental. We are, we are. The mercy. We're a bit daft, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> do you think I get stitched, though? I think you do get stitched. I'm just glad you said that, you know. yeah. I think they need to ask you more MMA questions. <laughs> do you That's know what, what it is. Right? I walk, get stitched up every week. I walk through the town centre, right, and somebody shouted, Bentley, read a book, will you, lad? <laughs> 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 I love it. This is not me. So it gets stitched up. So you know, all these things have have all led to this no more knives campaign. So what's happened, yeah, like yeah. Nick? If I can explain, break it down to you is what I've explained to you, right? Is okay. I suffer from depression. That's my my very personal little thing that that now the whole world knows. And I attack it by working hard. I meet people who I want to meet, yeah. and I absorb a little bit from them and learn. And what's happened there is I've been created by the people of the city who have offered me a little bit of teaching, who have offered me a little bit of their time, despite my history, despite my past. They've shown me love. So No More Knives came with, okay, let me give you it back now. Yeah, yeah. I owe this city. I I, I owe this city my life. I owe these people and they deserve everything who I am. And that's what I'm doing. I'm going to give them everything I am. I'm going to give them a little bit of fun on Facebook. I will give them fun on the radio, just talking and screaming and shouting, just to make people smile, just to make people happy. And this No More Knives campaign is me just saying, right, let me defend you now. Let me get involved in something and create something that might have a stigma in the city, that might actually change something. Let me give it back. And it's gone so big now. I couldn't. Comprehend. It is amazing how big it's gone. It's and, and listen, we touched on it earlier the impact it's had as well. I know, I know you were saying as well that knife crime in the city in Liverpool is actually down. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is. I suppose isn't getting reported on as much. But they don't like that. They no. don't like I, I know statistically through fact that it is actually down a lot. Now, 
the papers don't want to say that, do they? Oh, Why would they want to say that? That's not a story the newspapers want to say, is it? Especially the Echo. They just don't seem to want to get involved in, no. in, in boosting our city. And well, this was an issue. Th- th- this has been a long-running issue. I worked at the Echo for 10 years, and I had an issue with the Echo back then. Uh, I don't think it's positive enough. But then uh, I guess the argument is what paper is. No, of you course. Know, not until like murder, sells, death, kill. It? Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what people want on the cover. Of course. Uh, People want to build people up into into kids up into being gangsters because it makes front page. I think for this city, or certainly the position the world is in right now, positive stories on the front page would sell more newspapers to me. I think the world has changed. It's not just that, Nick. You have a when you wake up in the morning. What's the first thing you do? Tell us to you put our Facebook on. Of course, you, now, t- you turn your phone on. You want to see somebody, which is why I do every morning. Good morning. Hope you have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you see that, all of a sudden you release these endorphins that go. I will then. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, said, yeah. Right then, right chance I will. But when you go on Facebook and you see someone complaining and droning, the second they wake up, you're yeah. like, why? Why have you just did that? Yeah, or you've done it. Yeah, yeah, you've just sent a wave. Yeah. And this is what the papers could learn from. The papers could put something positive on the front of our newspapers every day, which would go, do you know what? I'm proud to be a part of this city. Now, look, this is the truth about this city, mate. And I said it earlier before. When we come together, there is not a city on this planet that can fight like us. We proved that with the Hillsborough. Mm-hmm. You take us on. Wow, listen. Get ready for the long Oh, time. you better be prepared for a war because yeah. these people in this city are the strongest and most powerful people when we come together. So I thought, what if I bring them together for something big to defend our own, to defend ourselves, to, to eradicate these silly kids? Do you know what I mean? What if we can do that? Mm-hmm. And as it stands, we are. And it's working. And we've got so many people confronting me, asking to be involved. How can they be involved? What can they do? And all you have to do is basically just exactly what I'm doing. Just support the campaign, talk share, share, talk about it, tag it. You know, let people know how how bad it is and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So, if the worst thing that ever happened was the legacy of No More Knives campaign was left before I ever go in life, I'll take that because mm-hmm. that's what I'll be remembered by, rather than what it was when I was a young lad. Yeah. So this is not only a present and a gift to my children to create a tiny bit of safety within their lives, this is a gift from me to the city to thank them and say thanks for bearing with me, thank you for supporting me, even though at one point in time I wasn't the best in the world, but now it's coming back. Everything I've got, I will give back, and that's how it's going to be. That's brilliant, mate. As I say, the campaign has really taken speed in this city. It's gone to everybody's hearts. Everybody's got behind it. I think the charity football match that we were involved in was brilliant. Um, long may it continue. Again, mate, thanks for coming in. Congratulations. Oh, no, it's an absolute and, uh, pleasure, mate. Thanks. I'll see you next time I see you. I think it'll be September the 1st, won't it? Then Lee Defence's belt. Will you come with us to the cage, Warriors? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Well, you know, you're going to see me on the big screen then, aren't Absolutely. You? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, straight from Cage Warriors 96, I guess it's. It's got to be UFC time for Lee Chadwick, hasn't he? Right at the end, may give us a little exclusive. Surely, I... surely it's coming. Yes. The phone call's already come in. Listen, I know he's took a call. <laughs> I know he's turned them down once. Let's just he say... can't turn them down a second time. No, fair Let's play. Let's defend that belt. Exactly. He defend wants to be a real belt. champion. Yeah, defend that belt and then move on. His belt. That's it. That's the problem with Lee, if you ask me. He's such a loyal and honest man yeah. that he could have skipped a few steps to get to greatness. Of course. But he wants to do it the hard way. 
And you know what? Fair play to him. I think he's going to get everything he deserves. And yeah. and you know what? Good luck to the lad. He Listen, when it, it comes to business partners, when it comes to close friends, you can't. Th- I I literally couldn't think of a more inspirational man than Lee Chadwick. The journey he's been on, absolutely phenomenal. He's lucky to have me. That's it. Thanks very much again, Paul, <laughs> nice for coming one, in. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Catch us across social media at Fight Disciples and catch up on all our back catalogue of shows. FightDisciples.com. And I'll see you here next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.